clapping for that? I don't even know. Yay. Yay, you guys. This is a Bitcoin. I do know. I do know a little bit about Bitcoins. Okay, I'm going to explain it to you. But let me start this way. And welcome, Facebook Live. Welcome, all of our campuses. I'm Tim. I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Welcome. Several guys in the locker room at a golf club, okay? And, um, you know, they're, they're getting ready to go out and play or they're coming in or whatever. And they're changing clothes. And there's a cell phone on the bench. And it rings. So a guy reaches over and hits a speaker, answers it. Hello. A woman says, honey, it's me. Are you at the club? He said, yeah. She said, I'm out shopping right now, and I found this beautiful leather coat. I really love it. It's, it's only $900. Is it okay if I buy it? He says, sure, go ahead if you like it that much. She says, and the new models are in at Lexus. Um, there's one I really love. It's red. I love it so much. He said, how much? She said, 110000 He said, well, okay, but it better come with all the options for 110000 Go ahead. She said, great, and um, remember that house we drove by last year that we liked so much? It's on the market. It's only $2.5 million. He said, all right, we'll offer him 2.3, and let's see what happens. Okay, I'll see you later. I love you. Guy goes, bye, I love you, and hangs up. Everybody's just staring at him, you know, like, are you kidding me? He turns to him and smiles and says, anybody know whose phone that is? That, <laughs> that, don't you want to do that someday? That is my best explanation of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, okay? That's it. You don't understand it. It's somebody else's money. Don't worry about it. What we've been doing with it in this series is we've been trying to figure out how to manage alternative economy, okay? The thing that this brings up for us is how do we manage value? Because that's what this has done for us. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is unlike any other currency because it's not regulated by a government. It's not tied to the value of gold or a bank. It, it's, it's not, there's nothing that regulates it, and, and, and you can't really tie it to a value. It's mined from computers in code, okay? Like they're digging through code to find these little pieces and they put it all together and, and, and anybody can create one. There's 1,500 different types of Bitcoins out there right now. The value fluctuates and it basically has George Washington doing this, okay? That, that's my best explanation is that picture right now. So how does it have value? It's different than any other currency that we currently have, but it's more like things that we are really used to that aren't tied to anything of real value and aren't governed by anything. It's, it, cryptocurrency has value because people agree that it has value, which is what makes it so weird as a currency. But we do this with other things, right? We have baseball cards. Why is a baseball card worth something? Why, why is sports memorabilia worth something? This is my autographed Urlacher jersey, okay? I got it from my friend Patrick at our Homer Glen campus. He, he gave it to me. Urlacher signed it for him, and I keep it in a safe place because it's worth a lot of money. And, you, you know, it's worth more now than it used to be. Do you know why? Because he has hair now, exactly. This, this was the bald Urlacher signature, and you can't get these anymore. That's what I'm talking about. That's how we assign value. I love you, Brian. You have to think outside the box with cryptocurrency, okay? That's the whole point. And, and I believe 
Todd and I believe that you have to think outside the box with kingdom currency. And that's why I, I love this so much. Alternative economy is, is things that we don't normally value. Now we can, we're, we're like, okay, we have to think outside of the box. I will show you alternative economy. My fourth grandchild was born in Southern California two weeks ago. That picture is alternative economy. That's me with my granddaughter, Olivia, holding my brand new baby Caleb. Here's his picture. Baby Caleb, isn't he adorable? Oh, I know. He's so odd. Baby Caleb Thomas Carreras was born, and he's my fourth one. This is me and Nana and, and, the, and the gang out in California. That's where I've been, okay? There's, n- there's no way that I can assign value to, to that, and you get that. It's just that sometimes we put money and, and alternative value in separate categories. We know that there's nothing more important than family. Guys, next week is Father's Day. Ladies, reminder for you, next week is Father's Day, okay? Um, big, big deal around here. We're going to have touch a truck, meaning like we're going to have funky trucks, all kinds of different trucks, fire trucks and different things at all of our campuses for the kids to be able to, 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 to get into and to play and to touch and to do all that kind of stuff with. And we're going to have food available uh, for you to buy, you know, different things. And we're going to have things for the kids to do. It's this big deal at Parkview because we really want to, we really want to celebrate our dads. And I'm going to do a sermon about donkeys from the Old Testament that you've never heard before. And I know this because I've never preached it. And I've never heard anybody else preach it. And it's a fun story. Um, and bo- there's boxing involved. I mean, it's just going to, I can't give it all away, but it's going to be an amazing day. So get here next week. But, but, but alternative economy, like family fits in there. Here's kingdom currency and how it works with alternative currency for me. My kids out there in California, my, my daughter, Lauren, and son-in-law, Tommy, um, and, and Olivia and Caleb now are a part of a church called Mission Church in Ventura. We helped start that church seven years ago, all right? I mean, some of you gave money. We are big into church planting. We've planted churches all over the world. We think that's a very great way for the kingdom to expand. We gave significant money over a three-year period. I was on the governing board. I was on the board of elders of that church as we got it started and got things going. Had no idea that my kids were going to move out there. My son-in-law, Tommy, wanted to do a residency. They went out there. They ended up staying. Both of them went on staff. And now, do you see how that alternative thing works? Like, I gave my time, and we gave our money, and we started a church, and then all of a sudden now it's where my grandchildren are going to learn about Jesus. That's alternative economy. You can't, you can't even measure that. You can't see that happen unless you understand that God is bigger than what happens here, okay? God is bigger than what we understand. We are a church that is all about that here. Two years ago, we embarked on the Daring Faith Generosity Initiative. Daring Faith for us was we're going to stretch ourselves over the next couple of years to try to raise an extra $10 million so that we could build our new Linux campus. And we are at the end of that two-year period now, at the end of our Daring Faith campaign. Okay, so let me show you what happened in the middle of those two years, all right? In, in those two years, our attendance has gone up 16%. That's amazing. One of the fastest growing churches in the, in the country. Well, look what happened. Well, we lost some people at Orland. Yeah, because we sent them to 
New Lenox and look at New Lenox. I mean, I mean, and New Lenox is a is a, is a mega church already, and it, it you know it's just barely been alive. And Homer Glen is is has grown, and all these things have happened. And overall, we've grown and we've reached people because we took a daring step of faith. We are a church that that believes in multiple campuses. You know, we're not just one church in one place. We're one church in multiple locations, and, and we've we've had. 3,000 new families visit Parkview in the last two years. We've had 1,452 baptisms in the last two years. 1,452. Way to go, you guys. 1,600 people have gone through Rooted. I mean, we, we have just been, it's been, we've been killing it in the last two years. And out of the 10 million that we were hoping to raise over the two years, we're at about seven right now, which means we're doing good. We're at the end. And I know some of you, you know, made pledges and you couldn't make it happen. Whatever things happened in your life, I'm hoping that you still can. And I know that some of you are new and you're like, you know what? I, I, I'd like to be in on that. We, we want you. We need you to be in on that. And it's even more important now because we're actually going to do some more building at our Homer campus. If you are here a few weeks ago, here's the plan for our Homer campus because the building just, because they've grown so much, the building didn't work out well. We got a great auditorium, but the rest of the building wasn't enough. We've already added parking. Now we're going to add some kids space because kids is the most important thing around here. We want to reach the, the, the next generation as best we can. So we're adding children's space and we're doing it right now because we want to have it done for Christmas that's a you know big time for us to be ready to go. And the secondary reason is, honestly, it's been approved by the village, and it's been sitting there for a couple of years. And if we don't do something now, if we don't do something this year, they're going to make us go back through the process, and they may not let us add on to the building. So we kind of feel like we, we're going to take another daring step of faith, and we're going to spend some money on this, and we're going to make this happen. And, and, and we know that God is going to bless that. And I just want to tell you that that's how we work around. Here we reach people for Jesus, we raise them up as fully devoted followers, and then we release them. We release them into a new campus, we release them around the world, we release you it back into your workplace and into your neighborhoods so that we can be Jesus. And what I've found over and over again, I said this in week one, is that bottom lines don't exist in kingdom currency because God does not fit on a ledger. You just can't, it's just like Bitcoin. You can't, you can't fit God on a ledger. You just don't know where it's going to go, what it's going to do, how it's going to happen. Everything, David said, in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O oh Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. That, that's how it works. God is the one who manages the alternative economy. So it doesn't matter what it's tied to. It doesn't matter what government's in control. They're not really in control. And there is an alternative value. He who supplies seed to the sower, Paul said, and bread for food will supply and multiply. I've lived this all my life. Your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. That's kingdom economy. How, how does it work? Well, Jesus said, said something really, really important about our economy. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will 
for a slave, a slave will either love the one like a servant, a slave of literally what it means, will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Your version may say money. It may say mammon. That's actually the actual term. Mammon is the money god. The word is master, curios, lord, king. Okay? Money is not the issue. It's the love of money that is the issue. Okay? Money is morally neutral. Money is like fire. It can be good. It can be bad. We need it. You know, right? It works that way. It can be like cryptocurrency. It can be good. It can be bad. It depends on how things work for you. And understand, this isn't about permission. Jesus isn't saying you are not allowed to worship God and the money God. He's saying it's impossible. Pastor Casey gave me a great illustration. He said, money is like a toddler, all right? This is the two-and-a-half-year-old. She, she is a drama queen. I am telling you, she sits around. I mean, she wants to watch Cinderella every minute of the day. She, if you saw my social media, she's sitting in the back seat singing, someday my prince will come. I mean, she's just like this really, really big drama queen, and that makes her super adorable and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay, I mean, at two and a half, she can get mad about something at the drop of a hat. Any two-year-old parents listening to me right now, you know what I'm talking about, right? And the funny thing is, she's taken to this demon voice now. When she gets upset, she doesn't even touch. Like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she'll just start going, (laughs) The first time she was doing it, Tommy and Lauren are like, okay, Olivia, what, use your words. And we're like, what's going on here? Uh, and five minutes later, you find out, I wanted strawberries in my old meal. Oh, well, why didn't you just ask? But, but she can't process it all, so she just like flips out. And my kids are doing a great job with her because they are the parents, okay? They don't let her get away with it. We did, but they don't, okay? That's, that's the deal. And, and, and Casey said it this way, money is a toddler. You have to decide who's in charge. Right? That, that's what this is. It, it's a toddler. You have to decide, am I going to put this on the throne or, and let it ruin my life, or am I going to control it? If you decide that your two-year-old is so important and so beautiful and wonderful that you're going to let them run your household, okay, it's going to be a bad idea. You know this. Every decision will come from them, and they are a terrible master. What kind of money decisions does a two-year-old make? Here's a quarter. I'm going to eat it, right? That, that's not good. Where the, who's going to clean the house? Who's going to buy the groceries? How much sugared cereal could you have in your cabinet? Masters, a toddler as a master is, is not a good idea because masters don't like to be told what to do. Now, I love toddlers, but they have to be trained. And many of you will say amen to this. The farther down the road you go without training your two-year-old as to who's the boss, the harder it's going to get. And the same is true of money. I mean, Dave Ramsey's message a couple of weeks ago was basically say no to the toddler, right? And here's the thing that's really interesting to me. When, When God set all of society up, he started off the Ten Commandments. He's up, you know, Charlton Heston up on the mountain, and he's giving the Ten Commandments. Here's how he starts. He says, I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or earth or beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Now, why does he start off that way? 
I mean, really, is he, is he worried about the competition? No. It's because he's our good, good father, and he wants the best for us. And he knows that, that, that if we put something else on the throne, whether it's an idol, whether it's money, sex, power, whatever it is that we put on the throne in front of him, whether it's a legitimate idol or not, if we put something else on the throne in front of him, it's not going to go well. Anything else is a toddler. Anything else is going to control your life. And the sooner you get that figured out, the better things are going to go for you. Okay? And Jesus tells us 10% of his teaching is about money. It's about mammon. Like, like more than anything else he talks about, it's this. As a matter of fact, one time he's talking to some people and he says, he says listen, here's what I want you to understand. He said, watch out, okay? Watch out. I mean, this is like exclamation point. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Why? Why greed? Why doesn't he say watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of hate, murder, uh, adultery, what, you know, what lust. I mean, he talks about a whole lot, stealing, any of the other Ten Commandments. Why doesn't he talk about that? He says, no, watch out. This is, this is the one. He says, you cannot serve God and money. This is the one thing over and over again. He says, you've got to be careful of. Why is that? It's because we don't know when this is starting to take over. I mean, we have, we have to live with money. Just because you have a credit card doesn't mean you have an idle problem with money. Just because you bought a new coat or a new Lexus or a new house or whatever, it doesn't mean you have a problem with money. The problem is we don't know when we're giving into greed. That's why it's so dangerous. Let me contrast a couple of stories in uh, Luke 18 and 19. Two rich guys, okay? So it just gets you off the hook right up front. Two really wealthy dudes that come to Jesus. And let me show you the contrast between the two of them. Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Anybody remember that little song we used to sing? Zacchaeus was a politically incorrect statement. Hello. We don't say we little man anymore. I mean, come on. That's just bad. We used to have a dog, a little toy poodle, a little male toy poodle, and we named him Zacchaeus. We thought we were being cute because he was a, you know, wee little man. And uh, he was the weirdest dog in the world, but at least he wasn't a cat. Amen? All right. So Zacchaeus is... The chief tax collector, all right? Chief tax collector. That means he's the guy who is a Jewish person who has sold out his own people and is working for the Roman government. I mean, he was the worst of the worst. Whenever they talk about tax collectors and sinners in the Bible, it's always be, there's a different category. It's like you could be a sinner, you could be any other kind of sinner, and then below them was the tax collector, all right? Bottom of the list. He was a criminal and a horrible person to everybody else around. Now, let me go back and finish this earlier Jesus passage, a chapter before. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't. It's just not possible to serve God and money God, mammon. 
The Pharisees, who had a problem with this, who loved money, heard all this, and they were sneering at Jesus. (laughs) He said to them, you're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Jesus uses all the biblical metaphors in here for idolatry. And it's always about greed and money. They love it. They trust it. They obey it, right? My precious, that's that's what this all is, right? This is the toddler is really in charge. And again, it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. And we never know where we cross that line. That's the trick of this. People who trust in money feel safe and secure because of their wealth, because of what they've got, or because they don't have it, they don't have it, and they're going after that God instead of the real God. But here's the deal. At some point, back to Zacchaeus, at some point with mammon, I've had this conversation multiple times. It doesn't matter how much mammon you get. It doesn't matter how much money or success you get. If you try to fill your tank up with that, I mean, you, you, you read, you know, about this in, in Hollywood or people that are famous or rich or whatever. When, when you try to fill up with, with money, sex, and power with these other idols that are there with fame, whatever it is, there's always going to come a day when you're going to wake up and go, huh, this really isn't what I thought I wanted. This is not really filling me up. That's where Zacchaeus is, Okay. Zacchaeus is at the point where he's like, okay, I had all this, and it's not really doing it for me. I really need a new God. So he did a surprising thing. He climbed a tree. All right, not cool for any grown man in that day to climb a tree. We would think too much about it today. I mean, if there's a crowd, somebody doing that. But back in that day, it was especially just uncouth for a grown man to climb a tree. And what kind of a tree was it? He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. It was a sycamore tree. You, you sang that song. If you, if you know that song, you sang that song. You didn't realize the sycamore tree was unclean. That's why it was it pointed out. It would have just been a tree otherwise. But it was a sycamore tree, which the pods of the sycamore tree, the, the fruit of the sycamore was given to the pigs. So the sycamore tree was unclean because Jews and pigs didn't mix, right? That's not how that's supposed to go. So the fact that he climbed a tree was one thing. The fact that he climbed a sycamore tree was an entirely different thing. That's how desperate Zacchaeus was to find a new God. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, you come down for him. Go into your house today. And he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. This is one of my favorite things about Jesus. I mean, he's in this, he's in this crowd. He's in, he's in this crowd of people, right? And the least worthy person to get to hang out with the Son of God is the person that Jesus says, Hey, Zacchaeus, I want to hang out with you. Zacchaeus was in a position of humility instead of pride. He wanted a new God instead of the mammon God that he'd been serving. And and so they had dinner. Jesus welcomed him. And Zacchaeus welcomed 
Jesus into his home, which made the Pharisees go all the more because he's not even supposed to be over there in the first place. And that guy just got out of a sycamore tree for crying out loud. And they go hang out at Zacchaeus's house and Zacchaeus stood up. There's no background to this whatsoever. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. No background of the story. Zacchaeus just says, hey, I'm going to give half my money away and I'm going to pay everybody back. Now, Mosaic law did not require him to pay back four times. It would have only been two times if you cheated someone. So in other words, Zacchaeus just got like this. It was like, it was like Scrooge. It was like, it was like the Grinch. All of a sudden, he gets a new God, and his heart just completely grew three sizes, right? Just transformed immediately. And Zacchaeus said, hey, I got a new God now. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to prove that I'm following you by giving a bunch away and being generous. Now, the contrast to this is the chapter just before this where there's another rich guy. We don't know his name because he never... Never figured it all out. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments, adultery, murder, steal, false testimony, honor your father and mother. And the guy says, oh, I've kept all these since I was a boy. Wow. When Jesus heard this, he said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Why is it hard? It's, it's hard because the more we have, the easier it is to put that on a throne. People don't wrestle with this in developing countries. Not nearly the same. But I'm reading this scripture about the rich young ruler, and I'm thinking, I don't think Jesus asked Zacchaeus to give up anything. He just did it naturally. He, he, he didn't give everything away. He didn't have to. His heart was right. So why would Jesus ask the rich young ruler to give everything away? It's because Jesus knew that's how much control the toddler had in his life. He knew that that's what was going on. I mean, if this guy is so self-deceived that he thinks he's really kept all the commandments, he's not exactly up in a sycamore tree, is he? He's kind of walking into Jesus like, hey, I got this all figured out. I just want to double check and make sure there's nothing I've missed out on. Well, yeah, there's the whole thing you missed out on. That's the whole problem. And you can't let go of it, so you've got to get rid of all of it or it's not going to work. Uh, why? Why would he do that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he didn't realize what a lousy God this was yet. He wasn't desperate enough yet. can only hope that at some point he realized it and figured it out and came back and, and really gave his heart to Jesus. He thought he had the system down. And he could serve the toddler while serving God at the same time. And I want you to parallel two things here, right? In these two chapters, there are two diametrically opposed people. There is the worst sinner guy that you could possibly imagine. And there is a guy that, at least if you believe his own press, hasn't broken any of the commandments. Really, really good. Really, really bad. And only one of them leaves their interaction with Jesus with real salvation. And it's the really, really bad guy. And do you know why? Because it doesn't matter 
how good you are. The only thing that matters is what you worship. I can only speculate on the conversation in Zacchaeus' house. Maybe they talked about money, but I honestly don't think they did. What I think happened was as soon as Jesus came in, you immediately know what your idols are. And those of us, and again, I say us because it's me too. It always will be. I live here in the same place that you do. Those of us that struggle with wanting to fill up our tank and put money up on the altar more and more with possessions and stuff, we, we know this is true. We, we know when it's crept up there. So, so what does God tell us to do to make sure we keep money off the idol stand, to keep money off the throne? He says, I want you to be generous. I want you to make sure that you're always generous. I'm a generous God. I want you to be generous people. I want you to do crazy things with your money to prove to yourself and to everyone in your family and to, to, to me that money, that mammon is not on the throne. As a matter of fact, it's the only thing that God ever said, test me on this, was when it came to giving, when it came to generosity. That's the only place in the Bible. He, he, he says, I promise you, if you will trust me in this deal, I promise you, you can test me in this. I'll take care of you. Usually every year, I mean, we, we try to get people to, to remember what this is about because like I told you, we've got projects, we've got things to do. I mean, it's important that, that, that we are a generous church so that we can continue to reach, raise, and release. And usually we do some kind of a commitment card, and this would be the day, and we're not doing it. No, we do some kind of a commitment card, and we, and we do the try the tie thing. We've done that for the last several years, and a tie is 10%, and I promise you, I think that's the basis part for, for giving in, in, in God's kingdom. I really, really do. I've done it all my life and I've seen kingdom currency work in crazy ways. And everybody here that does that knows it, but we want to make it really easy to start out. And, and we didn't want to have any commitment cards today. And so, so here's what I'm going to challenge you with today. Just, just, just hear me out. If you've never, ever given, I want to challenge you to give for the first time. And the, the way I look at it is if, if, you're, if you play basketball, your coach, and it's a shame about Cleveland, oh darn, uh, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if your coach wants you to, did you read sarcasm into that? I don't know what you're talking about. If you play basketball, your coach wants you to shoot 60% from the field, have double-digit assists, play good defense, and make 80% of your free throws. That's their goal for you, okay? But you're going to start by making layups. They're going to start by doing layup drills, Okay. So I'm telling you, if you've never, ever given before and you're not sure where you're at on this, try a layup with mammon. Say no to the toddler and, and in some other area and give and see what happens. That's my challenge for you at the beginning. If you are a beginning giver and you give every once in a while, I want to challenge you to take the next step and prioritize your giving by giving consistently. And that means automating it. We automate the things that are important to us. Become a regular giver. If, if, you're, if you're new here, you may not even realize this. If you go to 99% of the churches in America and you sit in a worship service, there's going to be an offering basket that's going to come in front of you. We stopped doing that a year ago because we thought it, it made it feel awkward to new people that were coming in. And most of our giving was online, so it was really awkward. So we have giving boxes at the back of all of our campuses, and, and people still give that way. But 70% of our, of our generosity comes in online now because we just want to make it automatic. And, and I want to encourage you, if you're a beginning giver but, you, you know, not regular, 
then set it up, man. It's important. Make that be not so much on the throne and, and make it happen. If you're a regular giver, I want you to consider being a proportional giver, like a percentage of what God has given. Okay? I mean, do you even know what you're giving now? Here's what, I, here's what I'm going to tell you. You know what your bills are, right? You know what they are. So I'm just going to say, say no to the toddler on something. I'm not saying don't feed the toddler. I'm saying maybe it's time to go get Aldi Cheerios instead of Lucky Charms and start feeding the toddler something different. Are you with me? And make the kingdom of God be higher in your priority than Howard Schultz, Okay. He's the owner of Starbucks, okay? You know, if you're listening to Howard, I love you. But, like, could you put the kingdom of God above Starbucks in your budget? That's all I'm saying. You know, can you do that? Because the beautiful thing about that is then you can go, okay, well, this is fun, and kingdom currency is working out really well, so I'm going to move God up above my cell phone. You know, I mean, maybe you spend more in Starbucks than you do your cell phone. That's your own deal. But, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing maybe more than my car. I mean, you can get to the point, and there are a lot of people in our congregation, that the, and the Harlows are one of them. We've been here for a long time. The top of our outgoing list on our bank account is Parkview Christian Church, and it has been for a long time because that's our commitment. That's kingdom currency, and it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to know whatever else I, I'm buying, I know that the top of my list is the kingdom of God. I, I, I feel like that's a way that we keep mammon under control. If you're already a percentage giver, then step up the percentage. If you're giving, you know, like I'm, I, I give 2%, then give 3 If you give 5%, give 6 Go somewhere with it. And if you're a tither, is that really enough? I mean, that, that's my challenge for myself. Am I, am I giving enough? We gave more last year than we've ever given before, but don't we have to keep that up? Don't we have to make that happen? I'm just saying, do something to move this down on the list and move God up on the list. I had a commitment card all designed, said up yours, and they didn't like it very much, so we scrapped it and we went back. I'm just saying, do something to make the toddler behave and put God on the throne, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, tithing was like a beginning place, I think, in the Bible, but, but if you're new to exercise, I'm not going to tell you to go join CrossFit and do five days a week. I'm going to tell you, if you're out of shape, you need to go walking 20 minutes for three days a week. That's where you start. Todd said it really well last week. Generosity is, not, is, is his mindset. It's not an amount, okay? But here's what I believe, because Jesus said it. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's what he said. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That is so important. That's not a mistake. He didn't say where your heart is, your treasure should be. He said where your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. You know this, right? I mean, if you have a Bitcoin, your heart is there. You're watching it. If you have stock, you're watching it. Whatever it is that you, that you have, your, your heart is going to follow where your treasure is. And Jesus said, probably the most important verse in the New Testament to me, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is kingdom currency. And then all these things will be added to you. I read, I read a story about a guy who uh, brought in a, a business consultant, high-priced business consultant for his business. He was a successful business guy, and he, he, he always brought in consultants. We've done this at, at church. I, I think it's good to have somebody from the outside come in and take a look at what you're doing and figure out where you're going. So he decided to do it for his family. 
So he hires this guy, comes in from New York City, this high-priced dude, and he sits down in the guy's living room, and, and he pulls out a flip chart. He says, okay, he's, here's, here's what we're going to do. The first thing we have to start with is the ultimate priority in your life. What is it that you're going after? He said, is it a Caribbean island? Is it, you know, I want to own 10 companies? Is it, you know, what, what is it? That's going to be the box. He said, I want to know what your ultimate priority is because what the ultimate priority is, everything else is going to flow off of that. That's how it's going to work. So we've got to make sure that, that we start off with the box and we know exactly what's going to happen there because this is where everything happens. So I want you and your wife to go talk for a little bit and, and I want you guys to come back to me and tell me what your ultimate priority is is. And, and the man was a Christian. He said, I, I went and talked to my wife and we had like a 10 second conversation. And we said, well, God's got to go in the box, right? We're believers. So he said, we went back to this guy and we said, okay, we want you to put God in the box. And the consultant wasn't a believer. It wasn't a religious man at all. And, and, and the guy said, it kind of threw him for a little bit. It was like, uh, okay, well, I've never done that before. And it was like, he didn't even know how to spell God. He wasn't sure what to do with it, but he finally decided he put God in the box. And this couple, this man writing said, it changed our entire lives. Because from that point on, we realized if God was in the box, it was going to change the trajectory of everything else that was going to go on. And here's his quote. I loved it. He said, you better figure out what goes in that box because the whole trajectory of your life will flow out of what you put in that box.